This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Shireen Herrera was fishing the Blackfoot River near Missoula, Montana three months ago on a cold, windy March day. She was just about to head for shore when she made the catch of her life. The Missoulian, Missoula's newspaper, tells the story. Herrera said, We were in the last ten minutes of the float after six hours on the boat. I had had enough, but I grabbed my fly rod one more time with an ever-effective San Juan worm. It was a monster of a fish, definitely as long as my leg. I think it weighed about ten pounds. Herrera was using a five-weight rod with 3X tippet, a rig ordinarily aimed at fish a tenth that size. She and her partner had each caught several brown and cutthroat trout on a cold, windy float below John's Rude fishing access site. The bull trout tore the reel out of its metal brackets but somehow didn't snap the rod as it rolled several times and tried to swim under Herrera's boat. She fought it for the next 20 minutes before both angler and angled were tuckered out. When the reel broke, I had to use it as a natural drag so I didn't stress the fish out too much, she said. They're a threatened species, so you don't get to see them much. I'd never caught one before in my life. Good night. Dave, would, would you mind if your reel broke, if you could <laughs> land a 10-pound trout? Oh, gosh. I, yeah, I'd like... Everything could break. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't I mind was... at all. Hey, we've got those rod breakage warranties anyway so that'd be, oh, it'd that's be worth just a it. great story oh, man well after she released the trout she said i'm still kind of in shock and awe since it happened i don't know if i deserve a fish like that the wind was whipping up the canyon and i was literally not going to grab my rod just keep my hands and my mittens now i'm never going to stop fishing the next time i go out <laughs> oh wow well, there are a couple of interesting topics related to this story. One that I'm sure Dave would love to talk about is the virtue of the San Juan worm, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's Dave's go-to fly. It actually works well, and I'm, I'm grateful because uh, thanks to Dave, I've started fishing that more and actually catching more fish. Well, what we want to talk about, though, is, is another topic, and that is persistence. Shireen uh, was about to head to the shore when she made that one more cast. Instead of cashing it in too quickly because of the cold, her persistence paid off. And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about persistence, uh, what it looks like, and whether it's always appropriate. So let's start with our own experience. Dave, do you have any, any stories, any anecdotes of, of when or how persistence has paid off for you as a fly fisher? Definitely. I think it's when I learned how to nymph fish. I first started nymph fishing probably in the late 80s i was out hunting actually and on the way back from the hunt in colorado we fished the frying pan and it was a cold windy day and i'd never nymph fished before and the friend that i was with rigged me up and within really one or two casts i was in complete knots i didn't start nymph <laughs> oh, fishing oh i feel your pain oh, oh, and i didn't really pick up nymph fishing again until i mean i was fly, i was dry fly fishing but mm -hmm. not fishing with nymphs or streamers really until the mid 90s and it was when i helped another guy start to learn how to dry fly fish 
he quickly got into nymph fishing and mm. then helped me learn how to nymph fish. And I persisted through the hassles of learning how to nymph fish, which are not easy. It's not easy. It's a lot easier in my mind to dry fly fish only. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it took me probably four or five years to mm-hmm. really get good at it. You know, yeah. it probably was 30, 40 times out yeah. on the water where I was actually really consistently catching fish. Yep. So I would say learning how to nymph fish was the single biggest uh, example in my life of, of, of how persistence pays off. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, and you, you do well at it. So, I mean, it, that makes sense. It, it does. It just takes time. You know, I, I think of a particular day. Um, I remember a number of years ago when I lived in Montana, and Monday was my day off of work, and I, uh, I knew my wife was at work, and the kids were in school, and so I thought, I'm going to drive south of, of where we lived uh, near Belgrade, Montana. I'm going to drive south and fish the Gallatin River uh, right near Williams Bridge. It's right before you enter into the Gallatin Canyon. And uh, it's Ted Turner's property. There's a couple nice pullouts. And then you can uh, get on the river and fish. And I had a couple of runs I wanted to fish. So I drove there. And, and this was after lunch. I thought, I'm going to fish in the afternoon. I had some st- stuff to do in the morning. So I, I pulled you know, into the, drove down the dirt road to Williams Bridge, and I saw about six cars, and I thought, no, I'm not going to do this. I, I know that stretch of river enough. I thought, there's there's just too many vehicles here. I'm not interested. So I thought, well, I'm going to drive a little further down the road to uh, the place where the main highway, where there's a bridge and the main highway crosses the, the river, more cars there. So I thought, well, I'm going to drive further south where Spanish Creek empties in, more cars there. I thought, this is ridiculous. And I, I turned around and I'm heading north, heading back towards Belgrade. And I had this fleeting thought, you know, I haven't been out to the Madison River. Maybe I should do that. And I thought, no. And I went through the uh, intersection uh, that... Four if, corners? If, right. Yeah. Where, where you you turn west to go to the Norris, you'd be on the Norris Road. And I, I actually drove through that and about... After right as I got through, I thought, you know what? It's such a nice day. I just need to get out and fish. So I, I got off. I, I turned off the the road and turned around and and went back to the Madison. And surprisingly, there was well, the first uh, I think I came to Blackford to that access. There were several cars and a couple of boat trailers and and. You know, I, I was not going to stop there, but I thought, yeah, this is what I'm going to get when I get to Warm Springs, which is where we always park. I pulled into Warm Springs, and there was nobody, and well, maybe one car. So I went in there, and I hadn't fished that stretch for a couple of years, and and I had a rough idea as to where to go. And so I, I went there, started fishing. After about a half hour, lost my rig and then it was the perfect storm i put on an egg pattern and then another little dropper and then i hit this run that has become kind of our famous uh, honey hole that what we call rainbow run and i caught one fish after another big rainbow spawners i mean they were all 16 to 19 inches and and i i quit counting at about 25 i landed that many and that's amazing and i've always thought you know if 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 I had kept driving, which, well, I had I'd gone through the intersection, but I stopped. It was just kind of this sense of, uh, I've got to give this a try. Now, I, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, that's always my usual pattern. But that day, 
I, I happened to be persistent and, and it really paid off. I didn't catch a, a 10 pounder, but I'm sure I caught more than 10 pounds of, yeah, of fish that for day. Sure. Yeah. Um, Dave, what are, uh, what are some of the points where people are uh, tempted to, to give up where I guess we have to fight through and be uh, persistent? The first, we need to begin with those who aspire to fly fish. I think there are a group of people who listen to the podcast who are very aspirational. They maybe fish in, you know, they fish bass or walleye, or but they've always wanted to fly fish. Right. And I often get this when I tell somebody, especially with my work, working with CEOs and 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 a lot of founders of small businesses, and I tell them I'm a, a fly fisher, and they always go, oh, I've always wanted to fly fish, or I've tried it once, I, I've been out with a guide, or I've been out to Montana, I really want to fly fish, but they don't go ahead, and they're always looking for mm-hmm. me to take them, right? Well, yeah. it, persisting through that thought that mm-hmm. I want to be a fly fisher is hard, yeah. and I think it's taking that first step, it's, it's being a newbie in a space mm-hmm. that you don't know anything about, so yeah. I think that is one of the big areas for a lot of people that they just yeah. need to persist through that very, very uncomfortable first couple of years of being a fly yeah. fisher. And don't you think, too, that sometimes... Uh, it's it's after the first time you go out that you have to persist. Yes. I, mean, I wonder how many people fly fish once and say, that did not work. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, that's true. Yep. And I think, and you know, there's so much to learn and you start thinking it's all about casting and then you start learning about flies and then where to fish and just the motivation to get out of the house to do it again. And it's just, so people who aspire to fly fish, yeah. I think that's, that's a point at which a lot of people just break off and never actually go and take okay. that next step. So, Well, now let's take a particular day. So we're out on the water. We're, we're getting ready to, to go fishing. Uh, where are some of the points on, on you know, a day on the river where people are tempted to give up? I, I, man, if you walk out of your truck and it's windy and rainy, <laughs> yeah. and sometimes you just think, I'm done. There's wind, cold, high water, right. whatever it is. I know a great cafe. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm looking for some hot chocolate right. and a latte. Yeah. So I would say before you ever get out of the water, it's, a, it's like it's really snowing yep. or there's something with the weather that kind of mm-hmm. goes, yeah, this is not going to be good. Sure. And actually, you probably need to persist in those moments because yeah. often you and I have had terrific days when it's mm-hmm. snowing out right that wind coming around that canyon you yep. know and bear tra- in the bear trap yep. and, and sometimes then you walk in it's like hey where did the wind go exactly yeah. so that's actually a, a place where you do need to persist yep. often is is when you stop because mm-hmm. it's of inclement weather whatever I that agree. means i think another uh, point at which people are tempted to give up is is when they don't catch anything after the first 30 or 60 minutes and it's easy to say Ah, fish just aren't hitting today. Well, sometimes that's true, but uh, what's more often true is that well, they're not hitting on what I'm throwing at them, or they're not they're not feeding at the depth level where I'm fishing, and so this is where making adjustments is uh, is critical and uh, being persistent. You know, being persistent doesn't mean doing the same, you know, unsuccessful thing. Uh, you know, 25 more times, it, it means making adjustments. So if you don't catch anything after the first half hour, first hour, uh, rather than quitting, make some adjustments. 
I think another one is, you know, when like you were talking about when the river is too crowded. Oh, yeah. So you, you pushed through that and found another place to fish. Yeah. Sometimes you, you, it's amazing if you just, let's say you didn't leave that first place. You found a couple runs even with all the fly fishers. Sometimes you have a terrific day just persisting through the crowds. Yeah, that's really and, true. Um, or just going up another mile or a half mile or walking just a little bit farther. So mm-hmm. I think another time is when the river seems too crowded so here's another point at which people are tempted to give up and that's when they're tired of making adjustments i mean i get this after i've tied on the same fly for about 13 times (laughs) that 14th time it's tough or or adding more weight or having to put tie on more tippet and I, i think it's just easy to say you know what i've i've had enough of this i'm i'm done but sometimes uh yeah, it's, you just have to fight through that and uh, you know move ahead. One area where I often see myself not persisting is when I really need to put on a new leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, the leader has gotten short and it's been mm-hmm. a long day and I really need to tie on a new leader to slow mm-hmm. down, tie on a new leader, tie on more tippet. Yeah. And it, sometimes it's persisting just in those little things. Yeah, it really is. So how do you develop it, Dave? Uh, how do we develop persistence? Man, if I knew, you know, I'd probably be rich, right? I do think it's probably not unlike persisting in working out, persisting in eating better. Yeah, which we're really good at. Yeah. Those ice cream cones we just had were really good. <sighs> From Kimmer's? Those yes. were awesome. I had oh, the Jamocha coffee. Oh, man. I so, just had chocolate chip. Yeah, it was good. So we haven't persisted very well. No, that's right. <laughs> but I do think that to persist in, say, eating well or working out, it's not giving up when you've failed, right? Mm-hmm. And so it right. is kind of a mindset. And then it becomes yeah. kind of a discipline. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I just blew it. But I'm going to give it another run tomorrow, so I'm not going to give up. So I do think it's a little bit like that. And so yeah. it's it's developing a mindset of just the discipline of persistence, even mm-hmm. when you don't feel like persisting. Sure. And maybe this is my oldest child syndrome coming through, but I think for me, having a, having a mental checklist of options that I'm going to try before I before I quit on a river, before I move on and say, this just isn't working. What's an example of that? Um, I, I think saying, being willing to say, okay, I, I need to try fishing at a different depth. I need to try different fly patterns. Or maybe I'm, I'm nymphing, but you know what? I need to take the time to rip all of this off and to put a streamer on and to work through this run a couple times uh, you know, with a streamer. If I, if I know it's a productive run, sometimes something like that might help. But I, I do think there's times, and I'd be interested if you agree or disagree, I think there's times when persistence may be unnecessary. Now, how do you know when to cash it in? I mean, that's, that's kind of hard. We think back to Shireen's story. I mean, you know, it was so cold, she didn't even want to pick up the rod, but she did it one more time, and she catches that 10-pounder. Right, right. What's the lesson from that? Yeah, right? I know. Is it really to pick up the rod one more time? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I know it. Would you would you say that there are times when persistence may be unnecessary? And, and if so, how would you know when? So just recently, I was on the Blue River, and I was fishing alone, and I got out there. It was hot. It was about 8 o'clock in the morning. I wanted to get out there earlier. Hot. 
and it was so buggy. Mm. I did have bug spray. Mm -hmm. And so those two things alone weren't enough to keep me off the water. So I persisted. Mm -hmm. I uh, rigged up, got out on the water, and then I saw two things. The water was cloudy, much more cloudy than when I had fished it before. And because it was because we're approaching midsummer, yeah. it was weedy and there's really yeah. only a good, strong, clear, not even wasn't clear, it was cloudy, but a current in the river where you could mm -hmm. actually cast your fly. Now there probably were some spots farther up river mm -hmm. where I could have maybe had more luck, but I fished for about 30 minutes and I said, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not going to get better. Yep. So I don't know what the, you know, what the principle is there, but it's usually a combination of things where you go, it's just not worth yeah, and you recognize persistent. that the conditions aren't right. The and, conditions aren't And the key to right. that is you fish the Blue River enough uh, in, you know, west of Madison, Wisconsin, and you've done very well on it. So you know, yeah. uh, you, I mean, you, you, know per you personally day. know because you fished it before, okay, the conditions just aren't right. I, I think going along with that, like you said, it's a combination of things. Maybe something else is when you're not enjoying it anymore. I mean, hey, there's no law that says you have to keep fishing. And the truth is, at least... My I, wife reminds me about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, I, the truth is, at least I think this is true, Dave, that every time you quit, it's it's not the case that the next cast would have landed that 10-pounder. Yeah, that's it, so true. You know, I, I do think there was a lesson from uh, Shireen Herrera's experience about persistence. But on the other hand, we don't want to overstate that or over overread that and say, yeah, that's... I mean, that's just anecdotal evidence. It's not ironclad proof that, you know, that all these times, boy, if I would have made one more cast, I would have, uh, you know, I, I would have come up with a 10-pounder. Maybe, maybe not. But it's also true that I can tell you this for sure, that there are a lot of times where if I would have quit a half hour earlier and uh, made 50 less cast, I would have caught the same number of yeah, fish. Yeah, totally. Then. So it, it works both ways. There's... Uh, an author that I read, his name is Seth Godin, G-O-D-I-N. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sure. So he's very popular, and he's been blogging for 15 years, and he has a post every day, and it's short, maybe a sentence sometime, up to maybe two or three paragraphs. Mm -hmm. But in one of his books, he talks about the importance of learning how to quit, because we're not really taught wow. in this culture yep. to mm -hmm. quit, right? It's, yeah. Quitters never win and winners, winners never, never quit. quit. He said yep. that's actually not true. Right. It's actually yeah. really bad because there's times mm -hmm. you need to fail right. and then quit doing that and move yeah, on to something else. Exactly. So mm -hmm. I don't think we should. You're right. We shouldn't overstate this idea of persistence. I think yep. it's a good principle. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly a good principle for your kids to persist right. through mm -hmm. you know pain, suffering, bad coaches, you know a tough season, a tough loss, but. There are times to quit, and I think yep. with fly fishing, there are times to quit. That's right. Got to know when to hold them. Got to know when to fold them. For sure. That's right. Yep. Well, hey, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Here's a comment, another comment from Gary Jr. on our podcast on our five most dangerous moments on the river. That, that's actually gotten some uh, interesting responses. And this is Gary's. He writes, an all-too-important podcast. I always let someone know exactly where I will be fishing due to the inherent dangers of the sport we love. My most dangerous moments on a river came on the Chattahoochee River in Georgia, just below the Buford Dam. When the dam is about to release, which it does a few times per day, a series of horns will sound, indicating the need to get out of the river and to high ground. 
Wait, let me just interrupt there and say I wouldn't want to fish that if I was, you know, if I was hard of hearing, which I'm, I'm getting that way. Oh man. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway, he said I was downstream on the opposite bank when I heard the first horn sound. I immediately began wading across the stream to get to safety, but was impeded by a deep pool when the second horn blew. I had to work my way back upstream and find another place to cross and was midstream as the third horn made its call. At that point, I had to tighten my belt and swim across a pool now made deeper by the addition of quickly flowing 45-degree water. Wow. Wow. He says, I did make it across safely to high ground, but still had to run through the woods to avoid being cut off from my party by a small tributary now gaining depth. After this final test, I looked at the river, which had risen 10 feet in just under 15 minutes. Holy Ooh. cow. I've wow. never heard a story no, like that. That is crazy. Wow. You, you, you never know, do you? There, there's all kinds of safety issues out there. and <sighs> There's uh, a lot of ways to die. Boy, there sure there are. There was that app, Dumb Ways to Die. Oh, do you ever yeah. remember that? My kids would play okay. that all the time. It was a stupid wow. little kid's app. That's Man. one dumb way to die. But wow. probably, you know, it wasn't like he was intentionally. No. You know, he just, was trying to work his yeah, way across the right. river. And then he got across because he was doing the right thing, but just in the nick of time. Holy cow. Wow. Well, that's going to do it for today. What advice do you have about persistence? That was our topic on today's podcast. Please go to twoguysinariver.com and comment on this podcast link. What have you learned about persistence in all your years as a fly fisher? You can find Two Guys in a River on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, even Stitcher. And of course, you can visit our website, twoguysinariver.com. We publish one new episode and one new article on the site each week. And we certainly, most certainly, would love for you to purchase our book on Amazon.com, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short, catch more fish. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.